of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones, and we are here continuing through book three in the book of Psalms, um, 73 through, I believe it's 83, I said this recently, um, are Psalms of Asaph. And uh, this one, Psalm 77, is titled to the choir master according to Jejuthun. This is probably a musical or liturgical term. And it is also a psalm of Asaph, as I mentioned. Um, the title given in my um, Bible and in many other people's Bible, that, that in our English translations, the title given would be something like, In the Day of Trouble I Seek the Lord. Um, it is very clear from early on in this psalm that an individual, a person, is praying on behalf of the community, so on behalf of Israel. And you see this. Um, in verse 7 through 9, that a deep lament is then followed by an eloquent memory of the Exodus. And keep in mind, this is, uh, as I mentioned, maybe the hymnal of Israel in that they utilized these psalms in their worship contexts. And so um, there is a link, a strong connection, Israel, the chosen people of God, to um, centuries before that, the Exodus, when God's people were led out of bondage from Egypt. And so uh, the psalmist here recalls that after a deep lament. So let me read for you Psalm 77, and then we'll get into breaking this down a little bit. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is, is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out like water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. 
Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So a lot of recollection going on here. Uh, Similar to perhaps what we do in our own lives. We lament, we complain, God, where are you? And then God reminds us. Oh yeah, (laughs) he's been there all along. We don't realize it. You know, when we're going through a difficulty, our perspective is tainted. And so the Lord has to remind us sometimes. So let's, uh, uh, let's look at this a little bit. And uh, forgive me, as I often do, my dogs are right beside me. <laughs> so if they start, I've got one of them sniffing me right now. So if they start whimpering and moaning, then I apologize. Uh, they're dogs. They don't know any better. So uh, just deal with it. They're my babies. All right, here we go. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this in 77. So um, the first thing that stands out here to me is verse 2, where he says, In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. This is a common gesture of prayer reaching out toward the heavens. Sometimes, if you've ever wondered, why do people lift their hands in worship? What does that do? So some kind of special powers that come down when they're worshiping and they lift their hands. Um, there are several meanings, but it is really symbolic more than anything. Um, but it is a symbol of worship that has been utilized. Even in scripture, we see the lifting of hands. Um, and it means several things. It could mean surrender. It could be... Um, a sign of acknowledging that God is the most high. There are several things. Um, And for many of us, when you lift your hands, it is just a simple act of intimate worship where you are pouring your entire self to God. And so, yes, it is symbolic, but the, the Bible does speak to symbols such as this, the lifting of the hands Uh, You know, we don't want to dismiss symbols and think that just because they are symbols that they mean nothing, uh, there is something to them. So, and and there's something to them as long as what is happening symbolically uh, is derived from what is going on in the heart. Verse 5, I consider the days of old. And these are the days when God was near and acted to save Israel from distress. The psalmist here is questioning, where are you, God? In verse 7, he says, will the Lord spurn forever? In other words, the Lord's promise to be with his people required their obedience. And here, the psalmist is saying, where are you, God? Perhaps because God, in a disciplinary action, had not abandoned his people um, but perhaps because of their, perhaps because of their disobedience, they felt as if they were abandoned. Um, God is patient; He is long suffering. But there are times when His patience runs out. We have to admit that there are people that don't like to think about that; that they think that God is only merciful, but He is also wrathful. Okay, the reason that His mercy was poured out on uh, on Christ was because or his mercy was poured out on us, is because his wrath was poured out on Christ. And so there's this aspect where God is both merciful and wrathful. And people don't want to think about the wrathful side of God, but it is a very realistic side of God. 
And as patient and long-suffering as he is, the most patient being in the entire universe, his, mer- his patience does run out. And there will be a day of judgment when those who do not know him will be eternally parted from him. And, that, and, and keep in mind, I'm going to chase a little bit of a rabbit here. And people will say that hell, and I firmly believe hell is a literal, physical place. There are interpretations where it is not. I believe it is. Um, But a lot of people would say hell is separation from God. And I would strongly disagree with that. Because otherwise, God is not omnipresent. He is everywhere. The issue then is, well, how is he in hell? People in hell are still in the presence of God, but they are in the presence of God under his wrath rather than his mercy. And so there comes a point where God's patience, even God, his patience runs out. And so the psalmist here, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? The psalmist understands this, that God's patience does run out, and he's wondering if it has happened to Israel. Verse 9, has God forgotten to be gracious? It's impossible that God would cease to be merciful, but the distress of life elicits these questions in the psalmist's mind. How is this happening? And these are questions that perhaps we have all had at various times in our lives. But then his perspective changes. As I mentioned earlier, for those of us who are believers, there, you know, sometimes we need a perspective shift. We need God to remind us of his grace and his mercy. Verse 10, he says, I will appeal to this. So this verse here provides a crucial transition in the psalm. By remembering God's great acts in the past, the psalmist builds confidence in the present and in the future. And perhaps for us, when we forget God's grace and his mercy and how good he has been to us, perhaps we need to go back and recollect the past. And maybe that's the issue for many of us. Maybe we just forget what, or we, uh, the enemy (laughs) distracts us from remembering what God has done in the past. And so the psalmist here remembers what is going on, what has gone on in the past. And he says, the years of the right hand of the Most High, when God's power was seen to act for the people of God. Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? And so as the writer here remembers God's great acts in the past, he is reminded of God's attributes, his holiness and his unique power. Verse 15, with your arm redeemed you with your arm redeemed your people so the context here shows that the psalmist has in mind the deliverance of Israel from Egypt and then he goes on in verse 16 he says when the waters saw you O god when the waters saw you they were afraid and so in this poetic remembrance of the exodus the waters the red sea in other words are personified And in this way, the crossing of the Red Sea is pictured uh, perhaps as a battle against the waters of chaos. Often often we see in scripture, chaos and tumult is uh, depicted using water, the seas, the turbulent seas, the waves, the wind. This sort of thing depicts, uh, it's a metaphor for chaos in someone's life. Verse 19, 
Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. So God's action was from above, not controlled by the strengths of earthly conditions. Verse 20, you led your people like a flock. The crossing of the Red Sea was a violent conflict. And in this verse, the mood is calm as the shepherd of Israel. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd of Israel leads his people through the desert. And so God himself brought the people of Israel across the Red Sea and brought them to the other side where there was peace. And he does that for his people still. So this psalm, although starting uh, starting in a lam- uh, lamenting fashion, this psalm uh, changes perspective, and it shifts in about verse 10. You see the psalmist go from lamenting to building confidence by remembering what the Lord has done for him and for the people of God in the past. And that should be what we do. Remember what God has done for us, because the list is vast and and unending, really, uh, what God has done for us. And perhaps when we are in some, some sort of distress and we forget and question and ask, where are you, God? We need to remember what he has done for us, and it will remind us that he is here. He is here now. He has always been here. He is here with us. He is for us, and no one can be against us. And so I have, as I mentioned uh, uh, recently, I said I want to set something in a gospel uh, style. It's been a while since I've done that. So this one is set in a gospel style, a slower gospel style. But here is Psalm 77 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. years that long ago
Hey 